Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So glad to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our dear friend, Dave Barnes. If you have not gotten his new album yet, you need to go ahead and do it. It's going to be a gift for your summer. You're totally going to love it. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Chris Kane. I have loved all of your thoughts and all your tweets, and she's just the best, I know. So I hope you enjoyed that as well. You know how it goes around here, friends. Everyone who comes on the show is either a friend or someone I'm a huge fan of. And this guy fits into both categories, though, truthfully, way more I'm a fan. So we used to go to the same church, share a lot of friends, and I am such a massive fan of his writing, his songwriting, his music his books, really everything that, um, all the art he makes, I'm a huge fan of. His most recent album, Resurrection Letters, Prologue and Volume One are just an absolutely beautiful, they're beautiful works of art and I think you're gonna love them. So here is my friend, amazing singer, songwriter, filmmaker, award-winning author, nonprofit founder. I mean, it just doesn't stop. This is my conversation with Andrew Peterson. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Of course. It's Thanks so for fun. having me. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait for this conversation. I genuinely think you're the most creative person we've ever had on the show. <laughs> and we're at a hundred and... I'm also super boring. Four. So get okay, ready. Great. Get well, ready. that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you... I love that you don't remember the story of how my very first book... Yeah. I... So I moved here in 2008. Uh-huh. Went to Midtown, where you went to the church at the time as well. Yep. And uh, are you still there? Is that where no, we go? No, we go to uh, an Anglican church in... Uh, church of the Redeemer. Do you oh, know that church? Oh yeah. They planted a church that meets in Christ Church. So we go okay. There. Yeah. Cool. Are we recording? Yes. Sorry. Okay. We're oh, going. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We're going. Yes. Before you tell like sure. your yeah, phone yeah. number. Or these <laughs> We're kind Mormons of now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine. No worries. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So my when I moved here in 2008, uh-huh. I was working on my first book, and we were okay. Maybe we were all in line to see Third Day at. The, at the big arena at Bridgestone. At Bridgestone. And we were okay. going through the meet and greet. Oh, because Switchwood was playing with them. Yes. Yes. And we were in line beside each other, and it was you and your wife and me and some of my friends. Uh-huh. And I just said to you, I hate my book. <laughs> I was like, I hate it so much, and I want to quit. Uh-huh. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And you said, walk away from it for three weeks. And if you still hate it, after three weeks, stop writing it. Wow. And I didn't hate it. And I have now I have zero a job. memory of saying that. So fair. You don't have That's to. Because I was like a 20-something-year-old like girl who just happened to go to your church. And you is that what you did? You walked away from it and you and it's, came back and yeah. you were like, I'm going to finish this thing. Yep. And so awesome. I finished it a year later. We pitched it for a year. Got 47 no's from publishers. <gasps> right? Are you serious? A hundred percent. I don't know if I could take 47 no's. Yeah. My, my agent did. I didn't. Luckily. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I didn't personally see them all. Still, and wow. then we, so then I self-published it because I was like, well, I finished it. Yeah. And so I might as well like tell my grandkids I put a book on a shelf one time. Yeah. And then one of the publishers picked it up and we've been Good rolling for since you. then. So we're eight deep now. I love that you just took charge. Right. Because, well, cause, yeah. And it, why? Say why. It's so That's complicating. People ask about publishing pretty regularly. Yeah. And it's such a weird, it's, music is the same way now. It's like, it's easier than ever to put something into the world but it's as hard as it's ever been to get like with a real publisher or a real record label. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, and you real can, is in quotes because that's uh, sorry, like so yeah, yeah. perceived. That's, that's Don't probably you think? totally. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, like if you have a system in place, if you have 
friends who are good editors or good readers who are going to like hack away at your book mm -hmm. and force it in, force it to be better. The problem with self-publishing, quote unquote, is when people put out a book, but it's it's lame. Yeah. And every book is lame in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, every right. book is lame. That's the oh. thing. The only reason any book is good is because it's been beat up by good editors yes. and friends who are like willing to be, um, you know, kind but firm. Mm -hmm. And so that's the trick, I think. Like when people ask about self-publishing, like absolutely self-publish, but like don't put something, put something into the world that you've really truly um, humbly tried to make as good and beautiful as you can. You right, know what I mean? Then, right, Because the artifact is just going to... The book itself is not the thing that's powerful. It's what's inside it, mm, you know? Mm. And so make what's inside it as awesome as possible. Yeah. Um, I often first. think I wish people could read the first draft of my book and what they actually get to oh. read. Because they would feel so much better. I would oh, feel man, terrible. I know. I'd be I so know. embarrassed. But the world would go, oh, it changes that much? I yeah. mean, one of mine, we rewrote... I mean, gosh... I can't. I can't imagine how much my editor did. Like her, uh, she should have been a with in the no. on the did, cover. Did you do it in? Is it in Word? Like, do you write in Word? I originally wrote in Word. Now I'm in Scrivener. Okay. Yeah. So, in, I don't know how Scrivener works, but with Word, you know that how the the there's the comments in the margin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You turn on oh, track yeah, changes. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you do the editing, it's like sure, if, sure, sure. If they're editing, they'll write a comment. It's a red blub yep, bubble. Yep. And then there's like uh you know anything they change is red. And I remember my first book, I. Opened up the 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 editor sent me the file and I opened it up and just cringed because the very oh, first gosh, page, so and then after a while you get used to it mm -hmm. and then I start craving it. Mm -hmm, I'm like mm -hmm. it, like if uh, you know 200 pages in if there's a page that doesn't have any red I think she fell asleep. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. You're like I'm why like, did no, you no, hate no. everything here? Why, or, or why didn't you edit more? Because I because yeah. you you begin to see how much better the book is. Yep. How much all of your blind spots all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I crave that now. Do you like, do a read aloud? That's what that's the last thing I do before I turn it in is yeah. read out loud. Loud. Totally, because that's that when you, you that. catch these like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it sounded like that. Yeah, that so... exactly. And that's part of the half the the battle is finding your voice, which in that case it's literal. But like uh, with songwriting, one of my favorite little bits of wisdom that I got from Andy Gullihorn, who's yes. a great songwriter, he said, "Write it like you would say it." Mm. So uh, when I've been stuck in a song before. Um, and just beating my head against the wall with a with a music piece of music, but I can't find a way into the song. Andy will just go, "Who are you writing it for?" And mm -hmm. tell me what would you say to that person? And uh, that's unstuck me so many times because yeah. you think that it's got to be flowery, you think that it's got to be this like solid, amazing thing, but actually, no, it just needs to be you. Yeah. How would you say it? You know. And so reading aloud is the is like the microscope for that. Right. Know? And with my first book, because I wrote it, uh, it's a fantasy novel. I don't. Oh uh, yeah, Wing Feather. It, the Wing Feather. Brother, I've so, read them all. Listen. Thank you. I'm on the team. Well, you know, you don't want to assume. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> I only have my friends on the show, just so you know. Okay. okay We're 102 good. episodes in, and it's awesome. only been people that I'm friends with or massive fans of. In your case, it's both. So well, thanks. I've read all the stuff. I've got all the stuff. I'm on your team. That's a lot of good friends right there. Man, I'm very um, lucky. But I uh, I read the whole thing aloud in a British accent. No. I did. did I you? went up in my office and I was like, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and because <laughs> I wrote it with a British accent. Yeah. So I just wrote, I want it to feel old and yeah. English, whatever. Do you have, are the audiobooks an English guy reading them? It is a British guy reads the first two and then I read the second two. Okay. And I, I did accents for like the dialogue. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was like some Northern Irish in there and some Scottish. Dave Barnes and I passed passed the books back and forth when they when they would you come did. out. Yeah, he and Annie are like two of my very best friends, and so we'd, we'd I be didn't like, know that. Let's, That's let's, let's read again. Did you I know that it. Dave Dave like influenced the book? Do you know this? No. So Dave Barnes, uh, I would text him when I needed a funny name. 
Oh, I'd be of like, course. hey, will you send me? And he would send like immediately a, like, a string of like, you know, uh, cheeks McGillicuddy, yeah, that kind of stuff. These like <laughs> really sure. goofy names, and they're all through the book. Yeah, yeah for sure. Tons he of has ones. never told me that. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Of course he did. Yes, he was on the show last week, week two weeks ago, because we did a whole show about the World Cup coming, and he's such a soccer. He's a big expert. soccer fan. Yeah, so it, I was like, you're the right guy. Are you a soccer us. fan? A huge soccer fan. Okay. Yes. I want to be a soccer fan. Okay. But I don't know how. Okay, well, I'll send you the episode. That'll help. That'll be a start. Okay. Hearing yeah, Dave tell good. you why. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other thing with the World Cup um, that started last week, technically, when this comes out, um, is Iceland. They're like, I can't imagine you don't know the Iceland story. You don't know no, the Iceland story? I don't, I don't know the story. Andrew, it's so <laughs> down the path of what I understand you to enjoy. Because... Like the coach is a part time, the national coach, part time coach, part time dentist. No kidding. Yes, just because I half the country requested tickets to go to Russia for the World Cup. Wow. I mean, they show up because suddenly they have a team yeah. and all their training grounds are in like um, bubbles because it's so cold. Of the weather. Yes. So wait, they've never had a team before. No, they've like never had a team new, make uh, it into oh, okay, anything. Okay, they've had gotcha. they've had a part professional. This is the Euros two years ago were the first time they had like really professional teams uh-huh. and literally like tens of thousands of Icelandic people showed up. That is amazing. They're... It would be so funny to hear cheering in Iceland. Oh, right. Like the whole thing would sound like, what's that band? Um, uh, Cigaros. Cigaros. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> or I just picture Viking grunts just I know, right? constantly yeah, yeah. grunting. Or like really high. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's so that should be your start is go that's Iceland. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. Watch Iceland. Just because they're gonna be a sweet little Cinderella story, hopefully. Uh-huh. And they're all blonde and man. Well, we watched and... some of the some of the soccer in the Olympics. Wait, is soccer mm-hmm. in the Olympics? Yeah. It is, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you, it takes a while. It's yeah. like your brain just like slowly learns a new language. Yeah, that's right. And then right. you start noticing, oh, this is what they're doing right now. Yes. But I just, it's hard. It's, my thing is like, I don't have time. I, I, it's not easy to watch. It's not like it's yeah. around. Yeah, not as much. Um, that's and true. I love baseball, but I can't ever watch baseball because it's just my life is, there's no schedule to it. You right. Know? You're always bouncing around doing different <laughs> right. things. Right. And they so play at like, like 1235. Yeah. I, I can't keep yeah, up yeah. with that. I so, can't be re- responsible. I, I for like that. sports. I just don't have room in my. Right. Well, you create a lot of things. So well, when you work as much as a person works, <laughs> you do. Insecurity drives me right? into a lot of things. <laughs> My bank account drives me into a lot of things as well, so I get that it. too, yes. Um, okay, can you back me up just a smidge? Because you do music, you write songs, create music, sing, you write books, you create events, you are creating all the time. When you were like 14... Were you building things? Were you writing? What were you doing? Were you doing music? Who who's that guy that became this guy? Um, well, I was. I think the difference. Yes, I was busy doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a funny story about it. When I was, I was a terrible student. Um, barely got out of high school. Um, my my oldest son just finished his freshman year of college, and he doubled my ACT score. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so Where did he go to school? He went to Lipscomb. He's in Lipscomb, oh, cool. uh, doing animation, and uh, loves it. But but when I, so when I was a kid, I th- I assumed that I was really dumb because mm-hmm. all of my friends were getting good grades, and I just wasn't. And it wasn't like I was always reading, always making stuff, listening to music. Uh, but I just didn't do homework. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just wasn't, I, the, the thing just didn't work for me. Um, so I was spending all my time learning to play guitar and, you know, I'd stay up to three in the morning playing piano. My dad was the pastor, so I could sneak into the church yeah, yeah, yeah. at night and, um, and I would play piano until later. I was always up late drawing. I was always doing this stuff, but it, I just was like, well, I guess, you know, um, I'm just kind of a waste of space. So the funny thing is everybody I think has a cousin who's 
who's a little weird. Sure. And in my family, I have a cousin who's in prison right now for car theft, whatever. All He's always been kind of uh, in trouble. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a little bit and, of trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I found my, uh, my mom found an old letter she had written to my brother when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And she showed it to me at Thanksgiving a few years ago. And in it, <laughs> she says to my brother, well, Andrew's grades are bad still, and, and uh, he just spends all his time playing his guitar, and I'm worried that he's just going to be a doof-lunky like his cousin. <laughs> and I read that, and I said, Mom, first of all, what in the world is a doof-lunky? Right. I've never heard this word. <laughs> right. It was a new word to me, and she was like, well, I don't know. It's whatever you were back then, <laughs> is what she said. And so there was that. And then the second thing was, I was like standing there going, like, do, n- now do you see mm. that like... That was me trying, like all of that time I was spending playing guitar was preparing me for what would soon feed my children. Right. And be my way of serving the mm-hmm. kingdom. And so so there was like this paradigm shift that I've tried to implement in my own house is like, don't, don't let like the society's um, st- structure sure. for what success is change the way that you're seeing your children, what they're right. growing into. Because right. I was always doing that stuff. I mean, right. I, was, I was constantly making, constantly trying to get my friends together to do something and coming up with a plan. And But I never considered it, A, a possibility that, that could be a career, mm. and B, that it could be that there was any place in the kingdom of God for it. Yeah. Like, I didn't, it didn't ever cross my mind that that could be ministry or anything. Like, I, my dad was a pastor, and that was ministry. And what I was doing was playing rock and roll. Do flunky know. stuff. Do flunky stuff. Yeah, Thank you're you. doing the do flunky stuff. I hope this stuff. word catches on and it's everybody starts for, to use it. It's at least going in the title of the podcast. <laughs> so it'll at least go that far. Good luck figuring out how to spell it. Yeah. I don't know how to spell it either. I'll, I have assistance for I that. I could call I my mom. I don't have to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> ask your mom. Ask your mom. Ask your assistant, your mom. Sure. Um, tell me what changed for you. When did this become a thing that you realized it wasn't like, it wasn't that you were bad at school, it's that you were called and your yeah. skills look different. Um, well, it was when I was, um, so the year after high school, now they call it a gap year. Mm-hmm. I would not have even known to call it that. I just didn't want to go to college. Yeah. Um, and didn't have the money to go to college, didn't have the grades to go to college. And so I joined a rock band and was uh, probably as spiritually lost as I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would have said that I was a Christian, but I didn't really know what that meant mm-hmm. until one night I, um, the way I usually put it is, is I had a, a head on collision with Jesus through the music of Rich Mullins. Mm. So Rich Mullins is mu- like I was a music snob, and uh, which is ironic because I was listening to Skinnerd. Uh, <laughs> but but I really cared about music yeah, and yeah, like yeah. Uh, poetry and reading and all that kind of stuff. And and I just brushed aside all Christian music. I didn't know that there was anything out there that was good. And so when I heard his music, it just rang all my bells. Yeah. Did you already live here? No, I was in Florida. We I um I spent most of my youth in Florida. Okay. So. So and you I, didn't know him. It wasn't like here where you fall in love with someone's music and then no, you can end up like yeah. sh- seeing them at Baja Burrito and being like, Ugh. not yeah. at all, yeah. not at all. I had heard the song "Awesome God" and that was it. But then, yeah. but then when I realized that he was a poet and yeah. and that he was broken, mm. the, the, like the way that I usually uh, describe it is that um, it was honesty, truth, and beauty. It was those yeah. three things together. It was beautiful music. It was like from a songwriting standpoint, as good as Paul Simon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was true in that it was just jammed with scripture and, and like it, I, my heart resonated with it. And it was honest. Like you could hear that he was a smoker mm-hmm. in his voice. You could mm-hmm. hear him talk about his fear and all that kind of stuff. So it meant that when he did talk about Jesus, I believed it more. That's right. Because he was acknowledging all these other things. And so I, I remember that was when I, it, I realized that um, it was kind of like, uh, I would I'd been like wandering in a forest and all of a sudden I stepped into a clearing 
and there was a path on the other side of it. Yeah. And I was like, Lord, that's what I want to do if you'll let mm. me. And so, um, so then, you know, he takes all, yeah, I, that's, that's what I've been doing ever since in, in one way or another. Did you become friends with Rich before he passed away? No, I met him a couple times, but they were both just fanboy moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super embarrassed about <laughs> <laughs> about it that those exist. Pretty embarrassing. And I, I, Mitch McVicker was the guy that he toured with before he died, mm-hmm. and I got to be friends with Mitch. And I asked him one time, I was like, "Do you remember that I actually saw you play with Rich one time?" He was like, "Oh yeah, in Florida," and I was horrified. You're I was like, like no, "Oh no, 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 you no. don't, you don't want to. Please don't tell me you remember." <laughs> I was like, "Do you remember that I gave you my demo CD?" And he was like, "Yep." And, oh. then, and then there was silence. Oh, and I no. said, did you guys ever listen to it? And he said, yeah, we hated it. Oh, <laughs> so, so, And I, I would have hated it too. It was terrible. But uh, but it's so funny that my hero heard my music before yeah. he died and, yeah. he, and he didn't like it. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's okay now. Um, but uh, yeah, I just there's no way for me to tell talk about my, uh, way, my love of the gospel without... Rich Mullins coming to mind. Like, tell so for our friends who are listening that have never been introduced to Rich Mullins, but they're like going to hop on iTunes and get a record sure. today. What do they? Which what do you suggest? It's it's an album called uh, A Liturgy, A Legacy, and A Ragamuffin Band. It's okay. a long title, but it's like everybody agrees it's like his masterwork. Oh, okay. and, and I think it's up there with like Graceland and oh, wow. the first Counting Crows record and like uh, Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. It sounds okay. amazing and the songs are amazing, but you might need to give it five spins before it unlocks itself to you. Okay. So I would say, like, go buy it and listen to it five times. No one does that anymore, do they? We don't no. listen to records five times. It's it's the saddest thing. It's the saddest thing. I had a moment. Uh, my my new record came out a few months ago, and uh, I was my favorite part of the record process is mm-hmm. the liner notes. Yeah, yeah. Where like you get to like write the thank yous. The thank yous, yeah. Same and with writing for like me. Like putting yeah. all the lyrics together. Like, oh, I've never, you know, how am I going to format the lyrics? And yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff is so fun. And I was doing it this time and I was like, why am I doing this? Nobody's going to see these liner mm-hmm. notes. Everybody's listening on iTunes and Spotify and they're not going to write, like, isn't that tragic? It is because I love reading liner. Well, I mean, the reader in me, right? The author yeah. in me. I love reading liner notes. But when I was a kid, man, like I was fascinated. I was like, who are the people? Oh, I would just pour I didn't know them. the names, but I'm like, somebody played drums on this. Oh, that was yeah. a glockenspiel? Yeah, that's right. That kind of stuff. That's and right. It's all, I wish that whoever's in charge, if they hear this, add a link to the spot, to the page of every album so you can so look you can at the look. credits. See? You're you know, right. You've told the right people. Yeah, By yeah, telling good. me, really. By telling you, everybody's You're like, if know. Annie knows, now's yes. the right, now yes. it'll be taken care of. So <laughs> Can you whenever. also have somebody add to the Oxford English Dictionary the word do flunky? Yeah, okay. <laughs> for sure that's that done. You don't have to worry about that. That's that's already in the works. Let's talk about the new album. Can we do that? Sure. I love that Resurrection Letters Part 2, Volume 2, existed before Volume 1. Here's the thing I say behind your back. Okay. Your brain is just so brilliant. You do things oh, so man. differently. So the rest of us that are creative in this town, I'm one of the people who watches you and goes like, man, how do I, how do I train my brain? What are the exercises to get my brain to do some of the creative <laughs> stuff that Andrew does? So tell why Volume 2 came out before okay, yeah, Volume sure. 1. Well, it, a lot of it is just following clues. That's mm-hmm. the, I remember Sally Lloyd-Jones describing writing that way. She was yeah. like, writing is following clues. Mm-hmm. And so... Feel that way, you know, in a meta way and a macro way. Like it's it's like songwriting is that way, but also my whole career has been that way. Mm. Where like I've tried to just, um, if I have a sense that something is supposed to be a certain way, then I try to pay attention to it, whether I do it or not. Like I'm mm-hmm. like willing to change tact mm-hmm. tactics if if I sense it because it, what if it's the Holy Spirit kind of leading you yeah. somewhere? So that was what happened. I was re- making this record uh, ten years ago or whatever, and. Um, 
The volume two. The volume two, yeah. And But it was called Resurrection Letters, and it was about kind of the shockwave effect of the resurrection on our lives. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, like halfway through the album, I just had this weird sense. I was like, this feels like part two of a bigger work. Oh, and I was wow. like, this feels like a, the answer to another album. The, mm. if, if only I had time to go back and write a bunch of songs about the resurrection of Jesus to set up this album. But then I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, I feel like it was kind of around the time Star Wars prequels that were coming out. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what if we were to do this? It'd be good for marketing. And I convinced the label somehow. Yeah. And they said yes. And then I spent the next 10 years explaining this again and again, thinking oh I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> what have I done here? Yes. And it's also <laughs> like people would email me over the last 10 years being like, man, you must have some big plan in mind for volume one. You've been working on it for so long. And it's like, yeah. nope. Nope. I haven't even gotten to it, it yet. <laughs> uh, I was avoiding it with all all of my power because yeah, I was so scared. because you put out other records in between. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. You and were books, scared you know, of it. Of, terrified, yeah. Why? Uh, because I'm a Christian, um, like the the older that I've gotten and the more I've I've read, I've come to realize that uh, the resurrection is just the heart of the story. Mm-hmm. And um, I just finished reading Acts, and this makes me sound super Bible-y. Um, I, I don't, we like the Bible I don't here, read my Bible so as much as I should, but <laughs> I've been trying lately to like really be more disciplined in diving in in um, uh, Bible college and be, and growing up a pastor's kid makes it yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah hard to read the yep. Bible. Um, so one of my prayers is like, help me to be amazed by it again, you know? Mm. And so that happened uh, just a few um, days ago. I was reading, finishing Acts, and uh, I was so struck by how many times Paul talks about the resurrection. It is always a part of his sermon. Like it's never, he never leaves it out. It's always, um, and and he told the Pharisees, you know, about Jesus, starting with the Old Testament, and it ends with him saying, and, he, and this same Jesus resurrected from dead. And so in my church growing up, it wasn't... I mean, obviously we talked about Easter and the resurrection, but but what it means is that you and I, who are in Christ, are going to have glorified bodies one day. And and then the question is, why? Mm. Like, why will we have these glorified bodies? And it's to care for the new Eden, mm. that, that there's going to be a new earth that God has uh, going to invite us into and to say, now take care of it in a in a redeemed way, mm-hmm. which is somehow more beautiful than it could have been otherwise. And so uh, that just thrills me. And that's not like me. It's N.T. Wright and C.S. Lewis and guys like that. And so it felt so important. I was like, how do I write a bunch of songs that will capture the the wonder of what the resurrection implies yeah. about us? And just the, the nitty-gritty details of the actual story mm-hmm. of like, it's amazing. It's so good. It, like, I, who could have invented it? You know. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about it is that Jesus told the disciples several times, "The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of men, crucified, and on the third day, third day rise again." Explicitly told them what right. was going to happen, and then when it happened, their minds melted. They were <laughs> right. like, "What? <laughs> right. We had no idea." So it was just like it's such it's so much bigger and more beautiful than our imaginations mm-hmm. can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so so writing ten songs about that. Oh my goodness. It was terrifying. Yeah. And so I forget why it just felt right again um, mm-hmm. last fall to do it. And so, and then it, you know, we were working on the album and then we felt like, man, how can we write about the resurrection without writing about the crucifixion? Mm. So then that led to yeah. the EP. So yeah. anyway, it was this, it, it, I didn't have some master plan. I was just trying to, trying to make it up as I go. That's super infuriating for people who think you have a master plan and think that <laughs> I can learn how to have a master plan, right, right. but I can't. But when you write your books, do you, yeah. I mean, you probably start with some sense of what the book's going to be and about, but when you're done, that. it's yeah. always that's right. different. That's right, because you follow the, I mean, that's really true is you follow what 
is happening. And I mean, literally sitting beside you is my next, the like paper copy of my next one. And I'm yeah. still like, where did that come from? It's crazy. I wasn't going to tell any of that. <laughs> that <laughs> no, I really want to read it. Yeah, no. Well, you are welcome <laughs> to. But um, so one of the things we, I love to ask my friends to come. Well, for starters, have you read N.T. Wright's book about Paul yet? No, I want to. Oh, it's, it's the, very That's thick. the controversial one, right? Oh, because I hope it, so. Because some people have like serious issues with N.T. Wright. Because of his view more. of the atonement, I guess. It's like Presbyterians are super wary of him. Oh, really? Yeah, from what I've heard. And I'm not theological enough to really get the nuances of Nor why. I. But um, but man, I love him. I love him. So much. Like, especially Surprised by Hope. I think every, yeah. everybody should read it. Yeah. You're being a good read. So we just did a, in May, we did this um, survey to any listener who wanted to, to tell us about it. And we had like a lot of people answer. And like, 80% of them are like, we love to buy the books and the CDs that the people on the show recommend. Oh, They're like, that's okay. where we decide what we're listening to. So the more you tell me things people should listen to, I mean, obviously, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about your stuff, but that kind of stuff is, that's what people love is going like, the artists that I love and respect uh-huh. want to read Surprised by Hope. Sure. And so yeah. that's what I want to read too. Well, read I it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you are you grew up in the church in America. Like, mm. you know, I'm a pastor's kid, so I heard so many sermons, but ve- had a very very hazy sense of what of eschatology of like mm. what this whole thing is going toward. Yeah, it was like Looney Tunes had probably in, informed me <laughs> about heaven more than Scripture had. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So we right. have these pictures that are ingrained in our imagination of the clouds and the angels and yeah. all that stuff, and that's just not it. That's not right. what Scripture tells it's not us. It. So N.T. Wright gets to the heart of it in yeah. a beautiful way. The Paul one's great. I'm, I historically don't get along great with Paul, uh-huh. and so, but I'm I need to. Yeah. I recognize <laughs> I recognize yeah. where the issue lies, and uh-huh. it's not Paul's. Sure, alone. Yeah. It's ways the 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 bigger brunt is on Annie, and so I'm trying to read. I mean, my pastor here at Crosspoint bought me a book that says why you should like Paul. Literally, like why you should like Paul. I mean, wow. I was like, okay. So All there right, are enough everyone. people with issues with Paul that there need that to be someone, books convincing yeah, you. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, okay. A question we love to ask friends who come on the show. It just comes up a lot, and you're talking around it a little bit. Uh, how do you hear God? What does it sound like for you to hear God? Wow. There have been very few times that I've like had this like real like zing of a sense of Him speaking to me. I'm always a little envious when people say, mm-hmm. you know, God told them something. Envious and suspicious. Yeah. If I'm fair. honest. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, to me, it tends to be um, my community. It, it's like, um, oh, how do I put it? Well, obviously, art and music and books mm. and stories mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, that's been one of the ways. Like, I, I try, and the Frederick Beekner recommends that mm-hmm. you pay attention to the moments in your life when you cry without knowing why. Yeah. He said, like, those are holy moments. Like, pay attention. And so uh, I'm kind of a crybaby, so so I get get emotional pretty easily. So if I'm reading a book or watching a movie and something really gets me and I don't Mm -hmm. quite understand it, I sense that that's the Holy Spirit going, pay attention. Yeah. Like, this this could be him trying to tell me something true about myself or about the world. Um, And then, but also it's community. Michael Card, who would be a great interview. Yeah, Uh, I'm not friends with him, but I'll bring him if you tell me to. Oh, my goodness. He's he's awesome. Michael Card, uh, done. I'd rather hear Michael Card. There's nobody I'd rather hear talk about Jesus than Michael Card. Like, he's an amazing teacher. Uh, But he, uh, he said, your community defines your calling. 
And uh, one time, and it mean, I think what he means by that is that you, if you want to know what you're called to, look at your community and ask yourself, how do I serve them? How do mm-hmm. I lay down my life mm-hmm. for the people God has put in my life? Um, but it also, I think, means uh, if you're faced with some kind of de- a decision, then listen to the people around you. Listen to mentors and mm-hmm. your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to your children. Like, uh, be willing to listen to them. And so my music career was is part of that. It was like I, when I was in college, I couldn't sing. I can still <laughs> barely sing, really. Uh, but the the not true. Well, thank you. But uh, yeah, when I was in college, I didn't ever sing. The first time I sang for my wife, I made her look the other way because I couldn't. I was so really? embarrassed. Yeah. And she talked me into like being an artist. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and so, uh, but my professors at Bible College were like, "You have a gift, just so you know." Mm. And and I was like, "Really? I think I, I want that to be true, but I don't believe you." Mm. And uh, and so there was a lot of, um, so that was how the Lord guided me in that yeah. situation. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, so I pay a lot of attention to to people in my life who are um, Christians, bearers of the Holy Spirit, and. Mm. Uh, who know me better can see the painting better than I can because I'm standing too close to it, you know. Yes, yeah. I literally was boxing with a friend this morning, and I said, "I think I'm too in the middle of the storm to know if it's a hurricane or a tornado." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I need you to tell me." Okay, wait. You were boxing. Boxing, you know, like oh, boxer. Sorry, I thought you said boxing. I, I just had the funniest boxing. picture of I you, wish. like. Talking serious about Jesus while I'm working out, <laughs> it happens. But uh, no, boxing, using boxing. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And so I just said, I need you on the outside to tell me, is this yeah. a tornado that's that's popping down and popping out, or is this a hurricane that I'm in the totally. middle of? Yeah. <laughs> because we can't always see from the center. Yeah. Right? And I, I love that. I, I, people want to hear God. And so the more they hear people they trust talk about hearing God, mm-hmm. I think it opens us up more. Yeah. And paying attention. I mean, movie cl- I was I went to on-site in January. Do you know on-site yeah. the... I went in January and I was looking through my journal from when I was there this morning and I had pulled a quote. Um, I'm trying to read, as you can see on the wall, I'm trying to read all of Madeline Engel's books this year. Mm, and wow. so um, I was reading one of them and I had pulled a quote from it about you can, and it was a, one of the, uh, char- two of the characters speaking to each other in one of the Wrinkle in Time ones. Mm-hmm. And they said, we know this feels like something that's harder than what you can actually do, but it isn't. Mm. You can do this. And I remember bawling it on site. Oh, man. And it was a fiction book. Yeah. Right, it wasn't the Bible, and I'm uh, I'm currently reading Henry Nouwen's The Voice of Love. I haven't read Maybe. that. Mm-hmm. Listen, Andrew Peterson, <laughs> okay. that thing. He, it's like thirty some odd one page devotionals after he got his heart broken. Oh wow! And it's about him recovering from that. I, I have not recently had my heart broken, but it's that it a friend gave it to me, and so you just flip it. it what what he tells you to do in the intro is every morning read the titles, and whichever one jumps out at you, read that today. I mean, very like, yeah, and the right. one this morning just had me like, <laughs> you see me, Lord, even though it wasn't the Bible, right? And uh-huh. so sure. I think I love that you're t- saying to people, like, look at the art around you. Yeah, man. I, I'm. Yeah, that's part of why we started The Rabbit Room, was to draw yeah. attention to good and beautiful work people are doing, because because my life was changed by a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? God mm-hmm. got to me because of Rich Mullins, and so I, I'm certain that he he's doing that for people all over the world. Through the arts. Through yeah, other tell people, people what are, Rabbit Room is. Uh, so the ra- go to rabbitroom.com. It's a ministry that we started about 10 years ago. Um, and the, the mission statement is the Rabbit Room fosters spiritual formation and Christ-centered community through story, art, and music. Mm-hmm. And so part it does a lot of things. So we were a publishing house. We've put published like 25 books. Um, oh my gosh, 25 yeah, books. Wow. Books that we just believe in and yeah. think this should be in the world yeah. even if it's fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yep. 
And then we do a, a biweekly singer-songwriter in the round uh, concert here in town just as an excuse to get song mix things up and yeah. let artists meet each other and kind of build. We, one of the, the things that we believe is that art nourishes community mm. and the community in turn nourishes art. That there's this oh, symbiotic sure. relationship that if you take the Inklings, for example, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, like two of the great works of literature by Christians in the last hundred years happened because of friendship. Mm-hmm. Those guys were friends and they would get together at this pub in Oxford and hang out. And I don't know if you knew this, but but like Tolkien didn't think anybody would want to read The Lord of the Rings. No, I didn't but know C.S. That. Lewis was a huge fan and he was oh. like, keep writing, keep writing. I've got to know what happens. Even if nobody reads it, I want to know. And I was like, mm-hmm. When I read that story, I was kind of like, man, I have had friends tell me that when I wanted to quit. Yeah. And I've told other friends that, like, it doesn't, like, it can be easy to want to get discouraged and um, uh, abandon this thing because it's it's hard and, mm-hmm. and it's a kind of warfare. Anytime yes. you're speaking light into the world, yes. you're, you're drawing a line in the sand. And so you need friends and companions in the journey to look you in the eye and say, this work matters. This is mm-hmm. kingdom work that you're mm-hmm. doing. And so community does that. So I think it's crucial to the artistic process. And so we started the rabbit room as like a flag on the ground to say, we want to encourage you. Because y'all do a conference too, right? A yearly conference. Yeah. And and we're in the process of, um, we have have access to this 130-year-old farmhouse just outside of Nashville Uh -uh. that we're trying to raise the money to renovate and uh, turn it into like a center for that stuff. Oh, rad. Yeah. Host writers groups and house shows and lectures and all there's all kinds of cool stuff that could happen so so if you know anybody who's interested in helping you just let right, me know right right come on yeah. friends hey friends interrupting for just a second to say thanks to our friends and sponsors of this episode Samaritan Ministries at Samaritan Ministries believers in Jesus are committed to sending financial gifts every month directly to an assigned member with a medical need. But there's more involved than money or mere physical healing when there's a need. And Samaritan members pray for each other and for every aspect of the need and encourage one another by sending notes and cards. Every month, more than 70,000 households give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries. And it's one of the leading healthcare sharing ministries in America. And as a member, I can tell you that I am really enjoying it. It's members like me send checks and prayers and notes of encouragement directly to other members in need. Healthcare sharing is a unique opportunity for us to be hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors and our friends. The Samaritan Ministries direct sharing model is a biblical approach to paying for healthcare based on Galatians 6-2. So currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share starting at about $100, depending on age and household size. And I love this, that no family is going to pay more than $495 a month, no matter what size your family is. Thousands of Christians are joining the movement that allows them to care for one another with their health care, sharing needs from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies, and organ transplants. Nearly a quarter of a million Christians have chosen a health care option that adheres to their biblical beliefs and brings together believers and community. So you can learn more at SamaritanMinistries.org. Make sure you check them out, SamaritanMinistries.org. And now back to our conversation with Andrew. Um, do you know who we share rabbit roomy is Linear Ivester. Oh, I love her. Right? She's the best. So She's I grew up amazing, in Atlanta. Yeah. So we grew up, she used to work as a teenager at my grandmother's bookstore. No kidding. So I've known her and her family since I was 
Did my she whole dress life. like a movie star even then? Uh huh. Wow. Yes, absolutely. She, they would she wear like antebellum dresses sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they did not play around. You know that family. She, They're the uh, best. Totally, man. They're so amazing. Creative. They really do look like a Hollywood couple from the 20s. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And um, what and you have as well, but why, reading along with her and living along with her as her home that she had put so much oh, man. love and energy into burns down and they have to rebuild it. I've just never. I've never watched anything like that. Mm-hmm. And and it made me ask such real questions to God of like, hey, listen, this family yeah. has has I'm getting teary saying it to you. This family has asked a lot, uh, asked you to provide for them and you haven't done what they thought and then their house burns down. Mm-hmm. Like what what yeah. tell me more. Tell yeah. me more about that. Mm-hmm. And and I um I think Lanier has been some of the stuff Lanier has written has been God answering me oh, yeah. about what he was That's doing. Good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, which is why we have to keep writing. Yeah. Because like what you just said questions. is the oldest question. Right. <laughs> it is. Right. It's like, that's Job, the yeah. oldest book in the Bible. It's like, that has been the thing. Like I've had that conversation with the Lord many times. Yeah. Like when it's frustrating my career or my family, whatever it may be, I've been like, I'm trying to be a good boy. Yeah. Like, I'm not very good at it. I fail. I do all this stuff, but like... I'm trying, you yeah. know, is that enough for you to give me what I want? Right. <laughs> is what it boils down to. That's it. That's what it boils down and to. And then you go, oh, that's right, you know. And the, there's a beautiful C.S. Lewis quote where he says, you know, after you th- you throw your fit or whatever, and there's, there's this sense that God says, hush, child. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've sensed that a lot. But with, with Lanier and um, with those guys, it's it was heartbreaking to yeah. hear what happened to their house and their dogs. Yeah. All that stuff, it was bad. Um and yet I just I just really yeah, I'm I'm resonating with you. Yeah. And depending on what I have for breakfast, I believe that it's gonna be okay. Yeah, and right. Other times it, I don't, you know what I mean? Right. And one of one of my I don't know if this is uh appropriate, but the the uh sure. Jamie I went through like a depression a few years ago and um part of the reason this resurrection letters album about the resurrection this year has been so healing is because it's all joyful Mm. because my last two or three albums I feel like really wrestled with some heavy stuff yeah and uh, and it felt so good to just be do a tour where I was singing happy songs yeah 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 I bet (laughs) it's like I told everybody on the tour I was like it's Easter and we're Christians we're gonna have a party for the next 90 minutes yeah there you go if you want sad songs check back with me in three (laughs) three months And, Give me a little time. <laughs> but uh, but going through this season, I don't know if it was like clinical depression or not, but it was some kind of depression. Sure. And um, was in, you know, counseling with Al Andrews yeah, here in yeah, town yeah. and, and um, just wrestling through a whole bunch of stuff. But there were, there were days when I would just sit on the couch and cry without knowing yeah. why I was crying. Yeah. And my kids would see me, you know, they're in high school. They'd walk in the room and be like, Papa, are you okay? And I'd be like, no. Yeah. But I don't know what's wrong. I just... And But in that season, Jamie... I can't imagine, like, she was amazing through the whole process. She would walk into the room and see me sitting there looking off into nowhere crying, and she would stand in front of me Uh and grab my face and make me look at her in the eye. She would hold my face in her hands, and she would say, something good is coming. Mm. And she would just repeat it, something good is coming, something good is coming. And that's, that's the Christian story. Yes. And that is the Christian story because I think the the thing that Christian culture sold in the 90s was how good this was going to be, mm-hmm. right? I don't think anybody did it intentionally. I don't think there was ever a youth pastor who was like, I'm sure, I just want to tell, I just need my numbers to go up, so I'm going to tell the kids it'll be really good. I don't think that was it. 
But I think the the best thing I can do with my art is tell people it's not okay. Like this is harder than we thought it was going to be. That is okay. God is still consistent. God's still God. I mean, and that is what we have to spend our lives doing is remembering who God is. So, mm. all right. Will you talk about Sower's song? Yeah. Because it may be, of all your songs, which I love a lot of them, I love the one you wrote for Sky, oh, uh, Be Kind, be kind to Yourself. My gosh. Do people, do women talk to you about that song all the time? Not just women. Really? Dudes yeah. do, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, it is. Never I, been a dude, I would have so thought that it would be more of a, I mean, I have had a lot of people say, oh, my daughter is struggling with the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's been across the board. Yeah, I would imagine. It's one of the biggest lies that the enemy tells us. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is this... Uh, this kind of bludgeoning ourselves with shame and self-hatred and all that kind of stuff. I think that it pleases the enemy so much right. when that happens, you know, right. and I'm super susceptible to it. So, right. Um, but you yeah, had to have been to be able to write that. Sure. You yeah. had to, and my, my, you, Sky, that's such a native tongue the way you wrote it. Do you remember Sky from Midtown? Mm-hmm. She was probably so little back then. So little. Yeah. Cause when I was going, they were all still in elementary school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's 15 now. She's a uh-huh. rising 10th grader. And, and I've seen her sing cause I come to Behold the Lamb of God. Oh, you've seen her so sing. I've seen her sing. Yeah. Girl can sing. Girl man. can sing. Uh, so for you listeners at home, check out Sky Peterson. Tell me again. She released her first EP. Oh, I didn't know that. Ago. Yeah. And it's <gasps> super good. She wrote everything. No way. Yeah, it's super good. Oh my gosh, I'm I can't wait to hear. Amazed it. by her. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> so just to come clean, um, Ben Shive, yeah, who you may remember. Yes. Um, he's one of my dearest friends. Maybe like one of the best songwriters in Nashville. Um, best producers, just amazing. And people don't know it. It's mm-hmm. kind of amazing to me. He's uh, like the secret sauce in so many albums exactly. that people, because we can't read liner notes. Right. Nobody knows <laughs> that every one of their favorite albums has yeah. been shy on it. Playing piano like, or... Yeah, yeah, Mercy Me to Ellie Holcomb. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. The list goes on and on. He's just amazing. And so he he and I have tr- toured together a lot and one of my best friends, and he sent me the track. Mm-hmm. And I had said, hey, I'm making this album. And that new means album. the music? Yes, okay, just the sorry. music. And he had written it for TV, like oh, as something wow. to pitch for like yeah, yeah. a soundtrack or whatever. And I had told him, hey, I want to try something different on this this album sonically. And so do you have anything laying around that you're not using? Mm-hmm. And he sent me that. And uh, I just drove around for three months listening to that track again uh-uh. and again and again and again and looking for the song in it. And uh, and so I wrote the lyrics without changing the music at all. It was kind of a game. So yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. music was this, and I had to find a way to like tell a story in that amount of time. Because normally you can do that. You can. They both are flowy at the same time. Yeah, you can okay. stretch stuff. I've out never written a song. I'm just I'm just <laughs> pulling context flowy. clues based yes. on what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, anyway, yeah, I just I wrote the music, and the the it was about coming out of that depression. And so I'm a I'm really a, yeah. That's what Sower Song's about. Mm-hmm. Is that very season? Yep. Oh my gosh! Okay. And so it's the it's the last song on that record, mm-hmm. um, and it's the it's kind of the sun coming up at the end mm-hmm. of the long night. Mm-hmm. And so the but the cool thing about it to me is that I, I had ri- it caught me by surprise because I had um, gotten into Wendell Berry's writing a yeah. few years ago, and and maybe well it was about 10, 11 years ago. And my f- wife and I we moved into the country. Um, I usually tell people Nashville with cows is yeah. where we live. And so it's still in Nashville, but it's this little weird pocket with cows. Yeah. And so we have this land. And when you suddenly have a property to take care of, it wakes up like the prepper in you. Yeah. I start thinking like, <laughs> we need a well, honey. We, we got to like get us some sheep. Right. Because what happens if there's another gas shortage? Uh, so it's the weirdest thing. Like, So I started gardening and 
beekeeping and, yeah. and and I love that stuff so much. But the way I usually introduce the sower song is is by talking about the fact that um, and I don't want to get like agra- too agrarian on you, but no, I like the, it too. Uh, the uh, we are the most disconnected culture from food yes. that has ever existed yeah. on Earth, right? So 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 few people in our culture um, know where their food comes from, grow mm-hmm. their own food. It just doesn't happen. Right. And that's what it is what it is, you know. Um, but one of the things I learned by having a garden and learning to take care of the land was that the Lord was speaking to me through it. Like, if you want to know, mm. how, that, that may get back to that question better than yeah, anything come else. On. People say, you know, there's two books of Revelation. There's Scripture and there's nature. Mm. So if you if that's I forget that's who said really it good. Martin Luther or somebody you did. smart quote uh, <laughs> Andrew Peterson that's <laughs> sure I'll take it um, but but if you want to know what God is like read your Bible mm. and pay attention to the world that He made like look at the world that He made because uh, I, this guy Norman Wurzba who's a theologian said pay attention when you re- read your Bible to how many times God uses agrarian metaphors to talk about His work yeah about what He's doing and that's farming. And sure, such, yeah, right? farming okay. and creation and kind yeah. of like if you read Isaiah 55, it's this whole thing about, you know, the myrtles in bloom and towering cedar trees and farmers and Everyone's rain, losing their mind is listening because we <laughs> talked about Sower Song and Myrtle for like 10 episodes a year ago. Are you serious? Yes. So they just are now realizing that you're the guy that oh, was that's sweeping. Oh, so funny. I'm I was so like, glad. I can't wait. They're going to die. So keep it. going, but yes. Yeah, so like in Jesus in the parables, mm-hmm. like tells the story of man sowing seed or the, the vine, I'm the vine and you are the branches. All that stuff mm-hmm. is agrarian. Mm-hmm. So like... It, I now have some grapevines, and I've had to learn to prune oh, grapevines, yeah. and it's very violent. It's mm-hmm. like every time I do it, I'm like, this can't be good for the vine. Right. But if you want good fruit, you have to hack away at the at the branches. Mm-hmm. And so like, I understand that scripture now better than I ever could if I hadn't planted an actual, like, you know, the, the matter that makes up a, a grapevine. So in a society where we're that disconnected from what Jesus was talking about and what and the land and the, the way God is kind of the way He operates, um, I think we're just going to miss a lot of what yeah. God may be wanting us to know. Yeah. So it t- teaches me patience. You know, like growing stuff takes a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I want things to change now. I want something good to come now. Mm-hmm. But God says no. Actually, tomatoes are ripe in July, and so so there's all of these ways that the Lord has kind of taught me. So the point is, I had I had told some people that I felt when I was in that depression, I had I had felt like God was wounding me, that it was like I was my heart was being torn open, and it was God that was doing it, and I was really frustrated and angry about it, and uh, and then around that season, the spring was coming to Nashville, which is one of the most magical things in the world. It, it's unbelievable, here. yeah. And I went out with a trowel to plant seeds for my garden, and I. I cut, Prepper stuff, got I, it. <laughs> I, I dug my little, you know, trench for my flowers or whatever. I don't know what you call it, furrow, mm-hmm. and realized that I had wounded the earth. I'd actually torn the earth open. Oh wow! And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't tear the earth open because I'm mad at it or because it wasn't good enough. I did it because the only way to plant the seed is to open a yes. wound. Yeah. And so, and I don't want to be trite, but like I literally took, literally took a seed and I put it in the ground. I covered it over like a, a death, like a mm. funeral. Mm. And then I had to wait while rain came and then new life sprang forth and yeah. then there was fruit. And it's like it's like Jesus saying, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men and on the third day he's going to rise again. It's like he's telling us again and again, this is how mm-hmm. I work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want it to be different, but it's just not. So mm-hmm. the Sower Song came from that that realization that if I am going to bear fruit for the 
the kingdom, and I do, and I want to. Uh, I want to be his man through and through. Then what you're signing up for, if you pay attention to what Jesus says in Mark, is like, take up your cross and follow me. Like, this is going to hurt. You're going to get wounded, but never because, like when you're in crisis, never because he's angry with you again. It's because this is the only way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there's it's something... It's the right way too. Yeah. He could come up with other ways, but this is the only way that's right yeah, for us. I think so. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that there's something about that wounding that we'll understand one of these days, that, yeah. that the scars... Like when Jesus resurrected, his scars were still there. Mm-hmm. That's really significant, I think, because the uh, they make him more glorious and not less. Yes, you know. So, like when he says, "Behold, my the wounds in my hands, my side, whatever," it's like that is more beautiful than if he had God had just wiped the slate clean and he had come back mm-hmm. all squeaky clean. But mm-hmm. no, he carries the scars into the new creation, and they make it more beautiful. Yeah. So that gives me such hope for the times I have been wounded, the times whatever's like somehow the Lord is going to thwart the enemy's best efforts to destroy, and he's going to incorporate. So one of the ways that I tend to put it uh, is that. Um, what we're headed for is not, it's not that God is making a new world. It's that God is making the world new Mm. and that's better, right? It's not that he's wiping the slate clean and starting over. He's taking what was broken and refashioning that thing into something more beautiful than it could have been otherwise. And that's what we're in for. Yeah, it is literally the Myrtle thing. I mean, I like got deep into it. I like studied it. I like watched about Myrtle, a video about Myrtle oil because wow. I don't know. It was one of those things. I mean, I feel like it was, it was really significant for me for a season. And so it felt like God, God going like, Hey, did you notice that when Andrew saying that he didn't just say any flower, he said Myrtle. Huh. And I was like, why is, why did God pick that? Why did he say thorn bushes will bloom Myrtle? And why cedar? Yeah. Like why not pine trees? It's not just because it was in Israel, but why? Yeah. And then when you dig into what those things mean to the I people, wanna, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm going to go back and listen to your podcast. Oh my gosh. I we'll have to, I'm not kidding you. We're going to have to fight. Like oh. I would have teachers on and be like, hey, real quick, while I've got you, what does Myrtle mean to you? <laughs> no joke. I was asking everybody. But because I'll just tell you that you may, did you study Myrtle at all when you were doing this? Mm-mm. There's a whole thing about new life. And there's this, and the Greek people used to use it all the time, the Grecian, like olden days, in their weddings, because they were like, this is making something new. Wow. And so for the thorns to turn into this particular flower that is about newness and about birth and about uh, creation, Mm -hmm. the actual creation of humans, that it would be used in weddings is like, oh my gosh. That's pretty amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, it really messed me up. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what happens on this podcast because people are with me every week. And yeah. I, don't, I can't help but like actually tell you the truth of where I am right now. And so that's what happened during the season when the Sower song was so important. I mean, it was like an everyday listen kind of important to me. Man, well, thank you. And so, well, thank you. You, I mean, I, there's a few people, I said this to someone else recently, there's a few people who I couldn't make my art if they didn't make theirs. Mm-hmm. And you're one of them. And so, and so that Sower's song walked me as well through a really dark season where the hope was that there was myrtle coming mm. or the hope was that there were flowers were going to bloom out of this, even though it was just thorny everywhere. Mm. Mm. And it did, it. and he did, and he's still doing it. And it's still thorny. It's all of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it, God is not a God of or ever, it seems like, except yeah. where you're gonna, how you feel about Jesus. It's either he is or he isn't. But everything else seems to be and. Hmm. Right, like hmm. you're, I'm going to give you uh, Myrtle, and there are still thorns. Yeah, right. 
When you do podcasts with people, do the host often cry? <laughs> no. no. I know. Sorry. I love it. I think it's great. I would, I, our, uh, yeah, a tender heart is a good thing. Well, you found one over here. Um, okay, so people today, besides they know so, I mean, I'm not kidding you, the people so know so are song. The, so even though it's, we have Resurrection Letters, Volume 2, and Volume 1, and Prelude. Prologue, yeah. Prologue. So we need three. So we need to start, when we sit down to listen, uh-huh. we need to start with the prologue. I would say... Boss us around. How do we listen to I would to say save the prologue for Lent next year. Oh, so okay. that was the idea. It was released at the beginning of Lent. And okay, I mean, you can listen to it now if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, but the idea was we we released the prologue and then made everybody wait until Good Friday before we released Volume One. Yes, because it, it was li- Volume One yeah. literally opens with the sound of it's a drum that is supposed to evoke the sound of Christ's heart beating again in the tomb. Oh, so on. the song is called His Heartbeats, and it's this just comes out of the gate with this yeah. <laughs> roaring like lion. Like, yeah. He's alive, and so that whole album is about that. Yeah, and uh, and I just could not wait. My, you know, we, I, I, my hope was that it would be the album that every year people would think, let's put that on, like East, we do with Behold the Lamb of God. Yeah, that was the. You was literally the have us from like Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. to like mid-April. Yep. I'm working on a Halloween record. <laughs> right, right, right. You need not like really. what is what does the church call it? Normal time. What uh, is this? Ordinary called? time. Ordinary yeah, time. Ordinary You're going to need to do some well, ordinary I, time I've, albums. <laughs> I thought about that actually, and that's the rest of my albums. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The it's rest like... of them fit in. You can right now. You can listen to any of them you want. But exactly. come Christmas, yeah. Behold the Lamb of God. Do you still enjoy touring that? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It is not My parents not come in town easy. for it every year. It's they so do. fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, this will be 19 years this that is year. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, of that show, yeah. So I'm hoping my, my like, I loved the tour, the, the spring tour, that Eastertide tour is probably yeah. what I'll end up calling it. But the, uh, it was so fun. I was just like, man, I could be happy for many years doing Christmas and then Easter. Yeah. And then, you know, a few shows in between. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm also really relieved that that record is behind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, we we made it. Now it's kind of like, what is next? I get to, yeah. I'm not bound by any promise that yeah. I made. What 10 is years next? Ago. Do you well, have something bubbling? Uh, the movie we're working on oh, a movie. Right. Yeah. So the Wingfeather Saga books we're we're in the process of uh, making a feature film out of book one, mm-hmm. and which will. Hopefully, uh, an animated film, and uh, we released. So, for your listeners, if they were to look up Wingfeather Saga animated film or whatever, it's on YouTube and Facebook, and you can watch. It's fifteen minutes long. It's a little proof of concept mini mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. to kind of show you what we're heading for, and so that's happening. And I have a nonfiction book that um, I'm about to sign a contract on. Oh, great! Yeah, it's kind of a, it's the title right now is Adorning the Dark: Thoughts on Community Calling and the Mystery of Making. And okay. So it's kind of about written as a way Adorning of in- the dark. That's great. I'm Thanks. St- I'm <laughs> mad already. That's good. Uh, uh, but it's uh, yeah, just a way of encouraging people who are trying to m- make something. Just yeah. just like here's a little peek inside what it's like, what it has been like for me, and the hopes it would encourage you. Yeah, that's beautiful. So if you're just signing, you're just starting to write it. I have finished it. Oh yes. yeah, you're done. I mean, it's, okay, it'll be edited, but you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wrote it over the last three years. And so does it come out in nineteen? I hope so. Okay. I hope it would be early next year. All right. Is my guess. Well, you have an open invitation to come back if you'd like to and talk about the book. We would more than happy. Thank you. We will find a way. I'm just I kidding. Appreciate we would it. easily <laughs> find a way. Um, Are so you yeah, going to keep so writing the, fiction? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's that's what I just started. 
kind of like dusting off that part of my brain mm-hmm. a few days ago and tried writing an opening chapter and was like, fiction's hard. Yeah, fiction's so hard. I'm I don't like, know how to do it. I have so one hard. novel in me that I cannot, I can squeeze myself like a rag and can't get yeah, it out. It's so hard. It's yeah. in there though. It's coming, but. Good. You need to do it. I'm trying. It's my, I think, we set aside, well, the world can't see my calendar, but you can see my calendar. August, we take off every year. And my mm-hmm. one of my goals this August is to get a good 10,000, 20,000 out of you. the novel. Yeah. You need to do it. I, I have this theory that part of the reason we love C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and Madeline Langle, mm. Walt Wongren, is because they're theologians who also wrote fiction. Yeah. And there's a certain way of knowing God that you can only know only. if you have fought your way through a story. Yes. And so like part of the reason C.S. Lewis has such insight as a theologian is because he knows stories so well. Mm-hmm. that he's he, I mean, Imagine the courage that it took that it would take a uh, you know somebody like Tim Keller or, yeah. or whatever to to go okay here's my novel or here's my fantasy novel right or my sci-fi novel right. and like to do it take it seriously enough to where it was being published by mainstream publishers mm-hmm. like that's what those guys were doing that's mm-hmm. like remarkable to me yeah and so uh and and I'm kind of like I I would love to read Tim Keller's novel yeah you know what I mean I would too. and I then I would love to read his book of theology after he after. wrote the novel yeah because I just like fighting your way through the brush of a story is just, mm-hmm. uh, it's an utterly unique situation. So yeah. you got to do it. Okay, That's I will. my challenge. That's, hey, listen, you bossed me around once when <laughs> I came to my books and I did it. So okay, <laughs> every decade you're allowed to give me okay. one really definitive bossy book thing. I you did it in you eight, you're doing it in 18. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> I'm going to actually obey. So we do one last question. The show's called That Sounds Fun. I'm an Enneagram okay. 7. What's your Enneagram number? I think I'm a 4. I would have you'd have to be yeah. a 4. You just feel so many things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Feel the 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 to me it was the moment where Don Chafford, do you know Don uh-huh. Chafford? He he and I were talking at church one Sunday and he said he he just like rattled off he's a 4 and uh-huh. he rattled off what a 4 is. And I had been anti not anti Enneagram. I was just was like it sounds cool but I just can right. you know. Right. And then Don said, "Yeah, 4s have this they long to belong, and they feel like every they're missing an essential ingredient that everyone else has. Mm. And I started crying. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just was like, how did you know? And we <laughs> held each other. Anyway, but that was the moment where I realized that like there's something to this. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah. So I'm a seven, mm-hmm. which I, so I like to have fun all yeah, the time. Yeah. And so that's why we have a podcast called That Sounds Fun. Awesome. Literally, it, it actually is because Ted Decker, I got to interview Ted Decker one time, and they said, the, his PR people said, how are you going to release it? And I was like, I don't know. They're like, have you thought about starting a podcast? And I said, that sounds fun. And that's literally, <laughs> I mean, what a awesome. seven. That's no plan, yes. no marketing, no nothing. Me going like, you know what? That sounds really fun. That's yeah, okay. My... That sounds fun with Annie F. Downs done. <laughs> so the last question yeah. we always ask is what is fun for you? What sounds fun? Oh, wow. Um, footpaths in England. Okay. That's an easy one. My wife makes fun of me because I I find a way to 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 bring up footpaths in every conversation, and I just did it. You've done it. <laughs> Jamie would Jamie be like, would be "Oh so gosh, proud. there he goes again." <laughs> but uh, have you ever been over there before? Yeah, I used to live in Scotland. Okay, so you know so footpaths. Yes. Like I I think it's one of the most genius ideas in the world mm-hmm. that there are like 144,000 miles of public footpaths in England. I think Tennessee and America is no less beautiful than England. But you can't see it. You can't see it. You can't walk except back from there. the road. Yeah. And in yeah. England, they go, no, you can cross this guy's property. You can yeah. climb the fence and go. And 
and it works and it's beautiful. So I, like on a any given day, I'm daydreaming about being a hobbit with a backpack and a walking stick and walking. Because what's great about footpaths in England is because you can walk through the countryside to a pub. Yeah, that's right. And then circle around back to your car and get a pizza. That's right. That's exactly that's right. The kind, that's the kind of hiking I want to do. So. You can get a curry at any moment, yes, any way exactly. you want to. Where's your favorite place in England? Um, I would say... Um, the last time we were there, we were at Libri. You know mm-hmm. what Libri is? Yeah, yeah. So we went to visit those guys, and it's in the south. I forget. Is it Her- Herefordshire or something? I forget what it's called. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's kind of Bill Bryson country. So yeah. if you've ever read Bill Bryson stuff, he says it's his, it's his favorite part. Yeah. But there's a pub there called the No Name Pub because it doesn't have a name. Right. And the locals know where it is, and it's in the middle of a field, and it is the most wa- – it's like, yeah, it's just the greatest. Yeah. So, and then a footpath that leads to a chapel through a cemetery right. graveyard, oh, all that stuff. Right. But there's a place called Hay on Wye. Have you heard of this? River? No. It's the Wye River, W-Y-E, Hay on Wye, hyphenated. And it's England's book town. Oh, and I so don't know And so there are, I this. think, 86 used bookstores in this little village. So me and my friend Eric Peters, who's a singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. we, we actually booked a tour in England so that we could spend <laughs> two days at Hay right. and We Airbnb'd a room and we disappeared. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, came home with like, you know... It, and it's That's over, when you take an empty suitcase and come home with a suitcase We literally did. Yeah. We did, actually. I would too. And uh, it was amazing. And they're not super expensive because... You know, old books are a dime a dozen. That's in England, right. So that's right. Anyway, I would I would probably say hey on why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thank what you. What were for you doing this. in Scotland? Uh, well, just... So I moved there in 2011 uh-huh. um, when I had gotten no book deals. I was like, I ran from it. I didn't. Um, there was a church there that wanted a female on staff. Oh, and wow. they just and I've known the pastor for a long time, and I I've always loved Scotland. I went yeah. there in college on a mission trip, and just felt. I mean, when I landed, I was like, wait a minute. This is mission. This is like where yeah. I want to live. I don't know what you right. you people who live in huts that don't have air conditioning or internet. Y'all are y'all are missionaries. I just want to live in this country, and I just fell in love with it. And so then I moved there for most of 2011, and then came wow. back here. Yeah. How was it? Did you? I loved it. Yeah. It was in Edinburgh, but mm-hmm. I have really good friends in Glasgow, so I spent a lot of time there. When okay. my cousin lived in St Andrews at the time, so I was there a bit. But yeah, I just mm. I think there is something supernatural, genuinely supernatural in the Holy Spirit and all these things about going to the place where your family started. Oh, are you from? Yeah, yeah, we're Scottish oh. and English, and I just think yeah. you really. I think there's something about it. I think yeah. there's something that you can't get here in the U.S. about history. Yeah. It may be the fiction nonfiction thing. There's sure. something you can't get here about where you're from until you go there. Yeah, and then you go, oh, I can still exist in the U.S easily uh-huh. i am eight feet deeper than i was when i lived yeah there's a, i i've and it might be that i'm a four but i've always had this weird sense that i don't quite belong here mm-hmm. you know i think americans mm-hmm. like because our generations only go back so far yeah we're all you know squatting so right to, right in a sense like <laughs> unless you're a native american that's exactly right um and so uh when i went to sweden i'm swedish yeah the first time i felt that you yeah know, and was like Okay, there's something happening here. Yes, and uh, and went on a long journey of finding the ruins of the cottage my great grandfather was born mm. in, and all this kind of business. So, yeah, we and I found my family over there. Yeah, like, I, there were cousins oh that I didn't know I had that I ended up emailing and saying, "Yeah, I found you on Ancestry.com, <laughs> and I think we're second cousins. Yeah, I'm an American songwriter. I have a show in Stockholm tomorrow. Will you come? Yeah, and this old lady showed up, and we both cried. It oh. was amazing. So, do y'all look I, similar at all? She looked like my grandpa. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. That is crazy. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I totally. Yeah. I love that. it. I try to go back once a year at least. I've, I went twice in 17. 
and I'll, I'll hopefully go back this year, but yeah. I just, it's another home for me. Ugh. I could, planes could stop flying when I was here and I'd be fine and I'd miss home yeah. and planes could stop flying while I'm there and I'd be fine and I'd miss home. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think so that's true. It's a win-win for me. Um, that's awesome. So, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I really Thanks appreciate it. It was very kind it of you. It was fun to talk to you. Oh, you guys, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to apologize for crying, but there were some tears today. That was such a great conversation with Andrew. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure, I mean, he told you exactly what order to listen to the album. So grab them, listen to them. You can go ahead and start now. You're going to love them next year during the new year and during Lent and all the things. So make sure you check those out. Hey, if you need anything from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the place. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you need me. Annie F. Downs. And if you get a chance and want to share this show with someone who, you know, has walked through a hard time or someone who loves talking about creativity or someone, you know, loves Andrew Peterson, go ahead and share it with them. We just love when you invite your friends to come hang out with us. So get if you get a chance to do that, that would be awesome. So I hope you will go outside today, just like Andrew talked about. Go outside, see nature, See, listen for God in the world that you live in and do something that sounds fun to you and we will see you next week. 